Good morning. I don't think I need this, right? I have another one. Okay. We'll get this out of the way then. It's great to see everyone. I love the Christmas attire. I love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas decoration. My request for uh, Gracie is if we can keep everything the same way for the next year. Can we? Just every week, I want to come here. I see poinsettias. I want to see a Christmas tree and all the decoration because it reminds me of such a great time. You all know that uh, my birthday is on Christmas. I still haven't gotten gifts from each and every one of you. Keep working on that. I'll give you my address when it's all over. Now, now you are just my gift. Uh, it's great to be uh, able to stand up again here and uh, preach. It's been such a long time. And I, uh, I missed it. I just had, uh, a few weeks ago, I had surgery, and I appreciate all the prayers. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And God listened to the prayers. The tumor was not cancerous. Uh, I'm healing really well. I'm having all these different hormonal changes because of the thyroid hormone. I tell my wife, finally, I can identify with some of the things, she looks at me and she says, you know nothing, buddy. And uh, in humility, I accept it and I say, yes, men are wimps. We would never find out anything about what our spouses and our awesome ladies go through. But it was humbling and it, it is good to see the frailty of the human body. It's good to see that that you are actually not invincible. I am not invincible. And we do need a mighty God. It's great that we have this series this, uh, this month. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I thought Chuck did an awesome job last week, didn't he? Amen. Let's give Chuck a great hand. But this morning, we're going to continue in that verse, which I would have to say it's probably the greatest Christmas verse in the Bible. Now, if you disagree with me, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want you giving me another scripture next week. I just think it's the greatest Christmas scripture in the Bible. Isaiah 9, 6, where it talks about that his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And this morning, we're going to talk about the other part everlasting father jot this down father hunger okay i'm gonna be able to control it from here at some point right you know you hate when this happens can you control it from it no not that father hunger is universal you know everyone longs for a great father experience and those who have profound loneliness are longing ultimately to a profound father experience it is one of the cornerstones of healthy mind heart soul and strength as they say if things are not right with your father things are not right people who don't have a father or have a cruel father, or an absent father. So much can be said about that. And I wonder why, maybe this is why we have such a preoccupation 
of having a father figure. As a matter of fact, during this season, we know of a certain father. He's known in the UK as Father Christmas. We know him here as Santa Claus. And you know, I did a little digging about Santa. Uh, he's actually a real person. I know you might disagree with that. But many years ago in the third century, there was a man, his name was Nicholas. He was born in uh, the city in Asia Minor. And that city was called uh, Demetri or Myra. Myra of now is known as Turkey. He was born to very wealthy parents who died in an epidemic. And they left him a ton of money. Now, Nicholas of Patera, or Nicholas of Myra, or as uh, the Dutch would call him, Santa Claus, and that's where we get the name Claus, Santa Claus, he was actually a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a man who was very, very devout at that time. And because of all his incredible wealth, he had read the story about go sell everything you have and give to the poor and come follow me. And he has done that for the poor, especially children. As a matter of fact, one of the stories that are known is uh, he, there was a dowry. You guys know about dowry? What a dowry is? Is basically, if you have daughters, and to get suitors to them, you have to offer the suitors money to marry your daughter. I don't know why they don't do that nowadays. Uh, a manny's dad didn't offer me any money. Now, he didn't need to. I needed to offer, actually, a lot of things, and it was all worth it. It's great. I don't want to go back to that time. But the story says that during that time, there was this father that had three daughters, and he was very, very poor. And Nicholas, who would later on be known as St. Nicholas, would go at night, every time one of them was getting a suitor, and would drop a bag of gold through the window that would fall into the shoes or the stockings that were being dried in front of the fireplace. Anybody knows why we have stockings now hanging? That's really the story behind it. Now, uh, during the uh, Nicolaitan uh, persecution with Emperor Nicolaitan, as a matter of fact, he was imprisoning a lot of Christians and he was putting them in jail. And Nicholas of Patera, who has become the bishop of that city at that time, was put in jail only to be released uh, before 325 A.D. Anyone knows what happened in 325 A.D.? That in the city of Iznik, up there, as you can see, there was what's called the Council of Nicaea. Bishops from all around the known world at that time came to the Council of Nicaea to refute a certain false doctrine that was talking about Jesus being a man. Jesus just being a man, not God. Anybody knows the name of the person that came up with this heresy? Arius. And it was called the Arius, the Arian Creed, the Arian whatever you want to call it. And they came together and sat at that table at the behest of the Emperor Constantine. And they sat there and they came up with the Nicene Creed, which talks is about God from God, Jesus being God. That he is light from light, begotten God, 
begotten Son of God, not created, given to us. And at that time, Arius was refuting all of that and was trying to prove that Jesus was just a man, that he was not God. And this is written in the church fathers. The story says that St. Nicholas or Nicholas, the bishop of Patera, got up, walked across the room. He got so angry about somebody called Jesus just a man. And he got across the room and got there and slapped him on the face. Merry Christmas. I don't think you guys are getting this. I need somebody to come up here. Let's act it out. Forget about it. We won't do that. The man had convictions. I'm not sure I agree with slapping somebody on the face. But he got so angry about calling Jesus a man. So, later on, this incredible man of God, generous, kind, that was giving all his money, all his life to the poor and serving God, that follower of Jesus Christ who could not tolerate hypocrisy or tolerate false doctrines, we just added to him a red suit and made a big belly for him and a white beard and became that pathetic figure. You see, in the deep down in the heart of each man, there is a hunger for a father figure. But which father figure? The one that we know and we read about from the history. A man that's generous, a man that's kind, a man that loves God, a man that takes care of people. And a man of convictions, strong, unapologetic man. That's the kind of father we have in our lives and that we need in our lives. In every human heart, there is a longing for such a father figure. A father that can give us all that our hearts desire. Father hunger is universal. Next slide. Father hunger is epidemic. I can tell you stories after stories in the world, and I know you know even more. I can tell you stories about people in this congregation who long for an incredible relationship with their fathers. I'm not just talking about young women. I'm not just talking about young men. I'm talking about grown-up men and women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who live their whole lives without a father or a loving person that will play that role in their lives. An overwhelming number of Americans agree that a father play an important role in the lives of their children. 89% agree that it is important for children to live in homes with both their mothers and fathers. 92% agree that fathers make a unique cannot be replaced contribution to their children's lives. Thank God for all the single moms we have in this congregation who are doing so, so much to compensate for the absence of father. Sigmund Freud said, I can't think of any need in childhood stronger than the need of a father's protection. George Herbert said, one father is more than a hundred school teachers. Sexuality, sexual confusion, 
and early sexual involvement are much more likely in fathers absent homes. Poverty. Children in father absent homes are five times more likely to be poor. In 2002, 7.8% of children living in homes with married couples were living in poverty. 7.8% of children living in homes with married couples were living in poverty compared to 42% in father absent homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children were from fatherless homes. 90% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth sitting in prisons today grow up in fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicide is from fatherless homes. What does this mean? Children from fatherless homes are 4.6 times, 4.6 times more likely to commit suicide. 6.6 times more likely to run away from homes. 15 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. 10 times more likely to commit rape. 15 times more likely to end up in prison while still teenagers. So much more can be said about this. The federal government spent $100 billion every year on programs to compensate for the effect of father-absent homes. Father hunger is universal. Father absence is an epidemic. My prayer in preparing this message is when you hear all of that, that you will have an understanding when you hear that phrase, everlasting father, that you have a father like this. Next slide. For to us, a child is born. To us, son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Say it with me. Everlasting Father. Father hunger is universal. Father absence is epidemic. But Father God revealed in Jesus. I love my children, and they love me. I love my father, I loved my father, and I've known for his love for me, even if it was not a perfect love. But hear me when I say this this morning. No human can fill the father hole in a human heart. No human being can fill the father hole in a human heart. A good father helps. But nothing can satisfy our father hunger like our father God. If you're looking for someone to satisfy the father hole in your heart, you're wrong. A good father helps. I will say it again. But nothing can fill the father hole in a human heart but our Father God in heaven. Young women looking for someone to fill the Father hole in their heart, it can be done. Young men looking for someone 
to fill the Father hole in their heart. It cannot be done. How phenomenal that Jesus Christ in that first Christmas came to be born to represent Father God to us. Father hunger's universal, Father's absence is an epidemic, but Father God is revealed in Jesus. You know, uh, it's amazing how children carry the looks of their fathers. I remember when my baby girl was born many years ago. Seems like only yesterday. And she, after a few months, uh, she was very beautiful from day one, but after a few months was even more beautiful. And my wife, looking through some of our old pictures, came across a picture she stole, I mean, she took, borrowed from my mother, <laughs> of a baby that looked exactly like this beautiful girl. So she put the two pictures together in a frame, and when everybody came to the house, she asked, can you tell who's who? Which one is Mo? Okay, I was that beautiful baby. I know, I know it's hard for you to fathom that, but I was one day a beautiful, uh, actually better, more handsome baby. And it's amazing. She looked identical to me. People could not tell, and there were, both of them were black and white pictures, so they couldn't tell which one is Lael and which one is me. Amazing, few months old. And she looks exactly the same way I looked. Now 17 years old and she still looks exactly. No, that's not true. <laughs> See, I told her she should be here to me this morning to listen to me. And she chose to go somewhere else. She chose to go to the central region with USC, fight on, to worship God rather than coming here. So I said, I'm going to throw you under the bus. <laughs> that will teach her not to come. Next time. Okay, Becca, make sure you're recording this. You tell her everything. So Lael, what she does today, is she goes around and says, I got this from you. I got this from you. And she seems to only pick the bad things that she got from me. And I'm going to be merciful. I'm not going to say which things she's talking about. Anything that's good she has, she has from her mom. And she forgot that one day every feature about her came from me. You know, it's the same way. With Jesus. Jesus, as the Bible says, next slide, in Hebrews 13, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Colossians 1, 15. The Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. The glory of God is seen through Jesus Christ. The nature of God can only be known through Jesus Christ. The fingerprints of God are felt and seen through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is everything God wants you to know about Him. Let me repeat this again. Jesus Christ, that baby that we just saw on the video, that man that just grew, and we'll talk more about that. He is everything that God 
the Father wants you to know about Him. Was Jesus Christ truthful? So that is our Father in heaven truthful. Was Jesus Christ compassionate? So then our Father in heaven is compassionate. Was Jesus Christ patient with His disciples? When they sinned against Him, when they ignored Him, when they left Him, praying by Himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they denied they even knew Him. Was Jesus Christ patient? So is our Father in heaven patient. Did Jesus Christ forgive sins? So is our Father in heaven forgives your sins. Was Jesus Christ loving? So is our Father in heaven loving. Was Jesus Christ powerful? Was he able to calm the storm? Was he able to walk on the water? Was he able to raise the dead? Even those who have been dead for days. So is our Father in heaven powerful? Was Jesus Christ angered? By hypocrisy? So is our Father in heaven angered by hypocrisy? Was Jesus Christ gentle? Was Jesus Christ merciful? Was Jesus Christ kind? Was Jesus Christ patient? Was He powerful? So all of this is our Father in heaven. In John 10, 30, He says, I and the Father are one. And in John 14, 9, Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This morning, you might find it hard to put your faith in a God that you cannot see. This morning, you might say, I don't know who Jesus is, who God the Father is, but you surely know who Jesus is. You've read the Gospels, you've read the Bible. You've heard the stories, and you can see the man of Jesus. You can see the boy who was humble. You can see the young man growing in wisdom and stature, in his love for his parents. You can see the one who feeds and heals and takes care and preaches these powerful messages. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Whatever you see in me is my Father in heaven is. He is the exact representation. I've known John 14, 6 all of my life. I am the way. Jesus saying that. The truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I know this is a salvation statement, but I would like to suggest to you it is more than just that. It is about you will never, ever know everything about God except when you come to know Jesus Christ fully. I suggest to you that you will never experience Father God unless you experience Jesus Christ. I suggest to you that you would never comprehend, you would never experience, you would never know everything about the Father until you have an incredible 
relationship with Jesus. Hold up the universal symbol of how much you get of the Father without Jesus. That's the universal symbol. Nothing. You can't get anything unless you have the Son. The Christmas story is a story of perfect fatherhood come to mankind. Some of you here would say, my dad never told me he loved me. But your father in heaven never stopped telling you he loves you. Some of you here may say, my dad never paid much attention to me. But you have a father in heaven whose eyes had never stopped looking at you. Some of you say, my dad was never really there for me. But you have a father in heaven whose whole preoccupation is you. Father hunger is universal. Father absence is epidemic. But Father God revealed in Christ, you have that hole in your heart that can only be filled through Father God, revealed to you in that first Christmas through His Son, Jesus Christ. Finally, Father God is everlasting. He's not just a, a loving Father God revealed in Jesus that He is everlasting. Isaiah 57, in verse 15, it says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Job 36, 26, it says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. I'm feeling a little old this Christmas. As a matter of fact, in three days, I'll be the oldest I've ever felt. <laughs> Two days, Christmas Day. I will be 55 years old. Can you imagine that? Ancient to some of you, teens. I was there one time. I used to think 25 is old. Until I got to 25 and I thought, surely 30 is old. I got to 30 and I said, do people really make it to 40? That is old. When I got to 40, I said, that's it. I'm over the hill, man. They can't be any older than this. I'm feeling a little old this Christmas. But I tell you, my great, great, great grandfather was in diaper when my father in heaven is everlasting. You see, God is before me. And He's after me. He's before everything that has ever been done. He's everlasting. Before the universe was made, God was there. Before you were even a thought in your parents' mind, God is there. You see, time doesn't mean anything to God. Someone said God experiences past, present, and future all at once. God created time. We, you and I, are locked in time. But God is not controlled by time. 
He is before time and He is after time. How comforting. How comforting for me to know that whatever I'm going through today, there is an everlasting God that knows all about it. You see, I and you are locked in time. God is not. Couldn't help but think about the Newtown, Connecticut massacre this last couple of weeks. I've been doing a lot of reading about it. And you know, the last thing, it's good that I've been humbled going through all these hormonal changes of my thyroid gland and feeling chemical imbalance and getting depression and, and, and finding myself crying uncontrollably at times and finding myself even getting these weird thoughts and, you know, one can end up his life in a, in a flash. And you wonder what makes people do the things they do. So I'm not going to sit here or stand here in judgment. But some of the things I read, it says that this young man who did this had no relationship with his father for the last 11 years. That he had cut out every contact with his father who is divorced from his mother. That's not what I want to talk about. This is just a side point. Just to tell you that father absence is epidemic. And whether that had done anything with it, for it, or not, I don't know. But I put myself in the, pretty much the place of the fathers who lost their loved ones. And I wonder what thoughts might be going through their heads. How in the world can anybody fathom what they're feeling and what they're going through? Impossible. Losing your own child, losing your spouse, it's impossible for us to understand. And honestly, without knowing this, what would prevent anybody from doing something desperate to themselves? I ask myself so many times, if I were in their shoes, what would I do? It only helps to know that our everlasting Father who's before this happened, who was there when this happened, who will be there when it's all done. He knows exactly how they're feeling. He knows the end of the movie. We live in the movie scene by scene. We can only see the dirt before our feet. But he can see the finish line. And he will take us to that finish line. Shouldn't you trust Him who made us? The one who will sustain us and bring us along to that finish line? One day, all of us will be released from that prison of time. And we'll be able to be with our everlasting God with no end. How comforting. In Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let that washes over you a little bit. You know, I think of my fathering of my children all the time. I think of all the things I got right, and I think of all the things I got wrong. I think of what's happening now. 
I think of losing my dad. I think of my mom who lives in Egypt, who if you're following anything in the news, you know of all the horrible things that are happening in that country right now. As a matter of fact, the apartment building where she lives, two of those apartments have been robbed and broken into. My sister-in-law, who, who, whose son is quadriplegic, they broke into the apartment, beat her up, and threatened to end his life. And I think of these things that I have no control over, that you have no control over. And you wonder, what are we going to do? And the problem is we get locked into that situation. You might think of your situation today, and you say, what am I going to do? Maybe your job is on the brink. Maybe you have a relationship that's not working the way you like it to work. We put so much pressure on relationships. I often think that I put so many eggs in the relationship, in the human relationship basket. What about my wife? Maybe one day she will disappoint me. I think about what about me? Maybe one day I will sin and disappoint her. What about my son? What about my daughter? I need this from her. I need this from that. And you put so much pressure on human relationships in your life. And you forget that there is a God much bigger than any human relationship. And how many of you will sail this next few weeks your ship into a Christmas harbor looking for a meaningful conversation with a loved one? Looking for some warmth, looking for some reconciliation, looking for something to happen in that relationship, only to sail yourself back into the last days of December disappointed. You're given to fear. You're given to the now. I was spending great time with some of our best friends who are here with us this morning, the Shumps. It's great to have Alexis. Where is Alexis? She's sitting right here in the front row, coming back from Virginia Tech. And if there is anyone that actually have seen massacres and tragedies of people's lives getting ended by some lunacy, evil, I think people in Virginia Tech have seen that happen to you and felt the impact of that. But as we were saying, having dinner, and I love the Shumps. They're some of our best friends. Got talking a little bit about our children. She's not here, so I can throw her under the bus. She should have known better. And I remember every time I get a phone call from Leal, my heart starts beating so fast. Because I've gotten a couple of phone calls when, Dad, I just got in an accident. Dad, somebody just hit me. So now every time she calls, I give in to this incredible fear. Not too long ago, she was working on a final paper and she was sitting with her laptop on the bed and she had a cup of tea in her hand and I don't have to tell you the rest of the story. And all I get, I get this phone call. You know, it was just wailing on the other end. And my heart is like, did you get in an accident? Nothing intelligible at all. Okay, Leal, calm down. What happened? Did you get my... Okay, are you being assaulted right now? I mean, my mind's going... I mean, there is... This is USC, after all, crying out loud. I mean, people get shot there. 
in broad daylight. Please calm down. Say something. My laptop. Okay, it got stolen, right? It's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, your biggest fear, your biggest nightmare, everything you can imagine just comes into your mind at that time. At these times, you can't be putting so much pressure on all these human relationships, on your situation. You got to have your comfort in knowing that we have an incredible father. Father hunger is universal. Everywhere around the world, people are looking for a, a father figure. Someone who is generous, someone who is kind, someone who is good, someone who would give to them. Someone who is firm and strong and unapologetic. Father, absence is epidemic. We see it all around us. And is destroying so much in our communities. But Father God is revealed to us through His Son Jesus. We can know everything about God by seeing Jesus. We can experience God by experiencing Jesus. We can make decisions during this time of the year. Don't let this year pass you without deciding if he would come all the way from heaven, heaven to live just like one of us and even lower than any of us. Wouldn't we want, I want to know him so I can find out more about that father God so that I can hunger for a father and that hole in my heart for a father can be filled by him. And finally, you got to realize that Avi Yad, Father of Eternity, the word everlasting Father comes from the Hebrew Avi Yad. And it says a whole lot more than everlasting. It says he is the eternal Father, the Father of Eternity, who's here before you even existed, who's here while you're going through what you're going through. And who will be here for eternity. And when you get released from that time lock, He will take you to be with Him. Though you're giving to fears and disappointment of what might happen to you now or in the future, stop. Stop. And understand that His name shall be called Father of Eternity. And He is your Father. You can make Him your Father. Instead of putting that much weight of expectations on human relationships, take that weight off and put it on Him. The one person that loves you like no one else. The one person that can protect you like no one else. The one person that can fill that Father hole inside of you like no one else. Merry Christmas. Let's give Mo one more hand for a great message. And again, I just want to welcome you all. If, if you're visiting, visiting with us this morning, uh, we would love for you to consider making the Westside Church your home. Um, if you are visiting and you have this, uh, this pamphlet, there's a connection card on the inside of it. And if you'd like to know more about our church and, and maybe get plugged in into a small group or 
or, uh, or study the Bible with us and learn a little bit more about how you can really tap into uh, filling that Father hole in your heart <laughs> with, with Jesus and knowing him. We'd love to help you with that. Uh, so fill out the connection card and visit our connection table right uh, in the lobby. And uh, with that, let's all stand and sing. We'll close out with one more song. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding repeat joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. For as the curse is found, for as the curse is found, He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. Amen. You're all dismissed. Have a great Sunday. Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, everyone.